Hi, this is Brad Redderson, and welcome to Sternova Strategic Edge, a bi-weekly audio business program where we explore emerging strategies in strategic innovation from the edges of the business ecosystem. In this shorter companion program to our bi-weekly Stranova interview podcast, we explore the implications of some of the newest strategic trends in business from all over the world and present them every other week, alternating with our regular interview series. So, thanks for tuning in, and let's get started with this episode of Stranova Strategic Edge. In the recent movie, The Devil Wears Prada, actress Meryl Streep portraying Miranda Priestly, the managing editor of Runway, the fictional magazine that launches haute couture fashion trends worldwide, comes across as regal, powerful, demanding, sarcastic, and shall we say very old school, as we might put it here in the United States. A protege played by Anne Hathaway learns how to dress for success in her role, but finds true happiness for her soul lies outside of the runway in more ways than one. The high fashion industry itself, like Meryl Streep's Miranda Priestly, also comes across with many of the same qualities as the fictional editor, with very centralized power ruled by the small circle of major designers and heavily reliant on connections with exclusive fabric creators, artists, models, and a customized boutique-oriented approach to sales. It's big business with the high margins that exclusivity, artistry, and the ultimate in quality can command. And yet it's changing, and in a very big way, through the ultimate collision of the old school ways and the new school of internet sales. In this episode of Sternova Strategic Edge, we're going to get you up on the catwalk to learn a bit more about what's happening in the world of high fashion internet retailing and why 2006 may indeed be the year when this fashion statement may end up changing the world of high-end clothing sales forever. First, some grounding. We're talking high fashion here. We're not talking about the very pinnacle of haute couture, the area where custom gowns are crafted uniquely for each individual. But what we are involved with is the next tier down in that pyramid, including, just to do a bit of name dropping, Gucci, Marc Jacobs, Louis Vuitton, Vera Wang, Botenia Venita, Roberto Cavalli, Moschino, and Valentino, just to get a few names out there. Up until a few years ago, if you wanted to buy something from these designers, you could explore the individual stores of these companies, such as you find in Paris, Rome, London, New York, and Beverly Hills, or through the highest-end retailers such as Neiman Marcus and Saks Fifth Avenue, and even the latter only had a sampling of the overall offerings these companies were creating. Both customers and the fashion companies liked the exclusivity that limited distribution offered. You weren't likely to buy something at a Gucci store along Beverly Hills' Rodeo Drive neighborhood, show up at a high-end party at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel, and find three others there wearing the same dress. It was expensive, but it was worth it. Because enough sales volume was out there, the companies involved sold well to an exclusive group of top-tier customers with elite taste and great connections. So if you're one of these high-end fashion creators, how do you do what most companies want to do? increase sales and profits. As you might expect, 
One of the major ways used in the past was through expanding the range of fashions available to these customers and outfitting more and more of their regular, although definitely not daily, needs. A related opportunity was in moving to more casual, though still highly stylish, clothing. In both cases, this is a little tricky, since creating these fashions is still an expensive business for the high-end designers, and therefore high prices are still the order of the day, and even for the wealthiest amongst us. There are only so many high fashion items we might be willing to purchase. A second approach was to increase the number of company stores, expanding outside of the major markets we mentioned above, and moving into the next level of cities and towns across the world, especially ones with the highest incomes. Yet that was trickier still, because even if there are stores and people with the money to spend on the goods they offer, high fashion is about a lifestyle as much as it is about a look. And unlike goods such as luxury watches and jewelry, expensive men's and women's garments require places to go and things to do in those expensive clothes for people to be willing to purchase them. And although a retailer may be able to create incremental demand with the proper amount of marketing, it is a very complex business to shift the very nature of lifestyle in a region. So a third approach considered was to increase sales through retail distributors, again including companies such as Neiman Marcus. Doing that successfully, however, might mean increased revenues, but would also bring with it lower overall margins for the original fashion company, as well as destroying the very concept of exclusivity that is part of the reason why the original high margins were possible in the first place. If not managed carefully, the end result for a high fashion house increasing sales through these retailers could be that prices overall would drop for their goods simply because they are more readily available. Now with the age of the internet came first the ultimate great killer app email, whose growth and business nature we may cover in a future episode of Strategic Edge, and the second major successful internet venture category, online sales. It will be interesting to look back on this period of business history with a larger chronological perspective, but one conclusion we can see fairly clearly right now is that there were two ways the average consumer grabbed onto the concept of internet sales and made them the ubiquitous by-any-time part of our daily life. The first driver was that it was easier to shop for some things online than it was in person. The second driver was that, because these online stores didn't require the same stocking approaches and expensive brick-and-mortar storefronts of their neighborhood competitors, it was possible to offer items often cheaper online than if sold in a neighborhood retail stores. Think of it as selling just above the wholesale price to a retail market. Sure, you still like to browse in a retail store, and for me, checking out the neighborhood bookstore in a relaxed manner is a wonderful experience. And although I sometimes wonder if I'm a bit of dinosaur about these things, if I find a product first through my browsing, I really try to honor the brick-and-mortar store by buying it there instead of going back online to get it. But if you know what you want, such as hearing that the latest novel by your favorite author has just come out, then Amazon.com is probably a cheaper and easier way to get it. Further, if you're looking for something that is a little unusual, such as a specific book on, say, custom finishing treatments for an exotic wood from Eastern Africa, Amazon.com is far more likely to have it than the local Barnes & Noble or Borders, no matter how much I may enjoy browsing their bookshelves. In the clothing area, 
Retailing took a bit longer than items such as books to be adopted, in part because, as Amazon's Jeff Bezos once mentioned to me sometimes years ago in a conversation at a conference, books are somewhat unique in that they represent a high-repeat business while at the same time having a very low return rate. It was hard to know if what you were ordering online as clothes would fit you, and if they didn't fit, sending something back was a more complicated process than many of us wanted to attempt. As more and more people have sampled online clothes shopping, starting first with staples such as jeans, casual shirts, and similar items, and also starting with those people who were already comfortable with buying from catalogs, the online retailing industry for clothes has expanded dramatically. We're also moving upwards in what we're willing to buy, with sites offering men's suits, dress shoes, and women's dresses, although still for the most part in the mass marketing categories rather than the high end. This is changing quickly, however, and the nudge for it was the creation of a class of online retailers who manage the distribution of high-fashion goods for the high-end name brand designers. As customers became more comfortable with buying online goods in general, and further in buying some of the bigger ticket items, it turned out there was a major interest in buying high-fashion goods online. Just as with Amazon's opportunity with books, a major buying incentive for online customers in high fashion was that there was selection available online that they just couldn't find locally. In addition, with the most successful and therefore the highest end sales customers, often working some of the longest hours, the internet was now being seen as an attractive place to shop when leisure time was scarce. As just one example of how this has manifested, just as the millennium turned over, one company, netaporter.com, that's N-E-T-A.porter, P-O-T-E-R.com, appeared with an objective to meet the high fashion retailing needs for this new approach. Yes, for high fashion companies, expanding sales using an online distributor, such as Netaporter, required some margin concessions and might mean a slight impact on the exclusive nature of the offerings. Because of the online nature of the store, however, less margin concessions might be needed to make a solid business out of the concept, and an online store is definitely not going to create market saturation in a given geographical area, so the exclusivity shouldn't suffer significantly. Customers have definitely bought into this in a significant, although still growing, way. Netaporter.com, for example, closed the year 2000 with just over $2 million in revenues, but it closed 2005 with just under 40 million in revenues, literally doubling in revenue from its sales the previous year. It offers men's and women's designer fashions and accessories from Bottega Veneta, Burberry, Roberto Cavalli, Vera Wang, and Moschino. Netaporter is far from alone in this venture, with companies such as eLuxury.com now out there with a lineup from Fendi, Todd's, Louis Vuitton, Versace, and Marc Jacobs, among others. As you might expect, the next shoe to drop, if you'll excuse the pun, is the move of the high-fashion retailers directly into the Internet space, and that is happening as well, as they themselves have witnessed the explosive growth of their online distributors without any significant impact on pricing or appeal. The original designer companies also see other benefits as well by going to the Internet. Besides the obvious thing that their online storefronts will actually increase margins over any other way of selling, the high fashion companies see these sites as a way to increase their overall customer base in a big way, to develop better connections with their customers by providing email newsletters on new fashion shows and offerings that in turn will bring them back to their sites and drive increased sales, 
and also help deal with the problem and appeal of luxury counterfeits that have increased so much as well in recent years. Who's out there right now? One of the biggest is a name you may all know, Christian Dior, with its website at www.dior.com. It launched its French online boutique last fall, has recently added one in the United Kingdom, and is expecting to announce yet another one for Germany in the near future. It is now one of the fastest growing units within the company, and definitely one of the highest margin ones. Louis Vuitton and DKNY have also added online boutiques as well in the past year. PPRSA, the French luxury goods group that includes Gucci, Bottega Veneta, and Valenciaga, among others, is also investing several million euros to design their new web presence for their sites, which I believe you can expect to see unveiled before the coming Christmas shopping season. And others, like Prada and Fendi, have set up placeholder sites that you can also expect to show up shortly with further offerings. To capture the boutique feel and atmosphere of being in the middle of the high fashion industry, the sites that are online have added online runway fashion show sneak peeks to bring us into a high fashion world most of us might never have seen without the internet, as well as personal shopper assistance on the websites where you literally talk to a specialist to help guide you in your search for the best look and the accessories to go with it. Interesting trend, isn't it? The Internet is being used to increase distribution and access to a wider range of customers, and the personal shopper and online videos, only recently possible at the necessary resolution thanks to the widespread availability of broadband connectivity, help make you feel more personally connected to the store. The world of fashion is changing. And even if Meryl Streep's Miranda Priestley of the fictitious Runway magazine may have been able to keep her job and run it the old-fashioned way, the high-fashion companies themselves have clearly found that the new ways of the Internet, combined with some solid business strategy and a unique personal touch that many of us running online enterprises might consider ourselves, may just be the best possible fashion statement they can make for their businesses this coming shopping season. That's our show for this week. And thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit our blog at blog.stranova.com to let us know what you think about these industry trends. And remember to stay tuned for our next episodes on the intersection of strategy and innovation. If you have comments on this week's show or suggestions for topics or guests for future shows, please contact us by email at ideas at stranova.com at our Stranova comment line at 1-408-849-4394 or via Skype by clicking on the link on our homepage. You can also join in our conversation by connecting with us on our Stranova blog by clicking the link on our homepage or going directly to blog.stranova.com. We look forward to your thoughts and the growing dialogue we're building on the intersection of strategy and innovation. This recording is copyright 2006 by Brad Redderson, and this is Brad Redderson thanking you for joining us this time at Stranova Strategic Edge.